0: Chances. Oh, brilliant goal, a brilliant goal! Remember the name,
1: Wayne Rooney!
0: Pirlo, 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 ancora, Pirlo, Di Tacco, Tiro! Go! Goal! 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 Grasso! Goal! Grossa, grossa, go! goal Andrea Pirlo will take, and it's full in, and it's in! A goal in 50
2: seconds for Milan! And oh, would you believe it? the
0: skipper, has scored it. Aguero! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again.
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome back to the Footy Fans Podcast, episode 11. Andrew, Santo, and Joe, as always, here for your listening pleasure. Here we are. Exciting week.
2: Yeah, we just had a lot of talking points. Uh, I mean, like, I don't know where to start. Yeah, because, I know where to start. Well,
1: the big news, though, <laughs> the, one, the yeah. big news came from, you know, right after our last podcast, right? Right after, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Joe Stradamus, again, saying how Nuno only has a few games left, I think. Is that what you said? You have a few games left? I can't remember. I think you said he might have had like just a few to try and prove himself. What's the schedule like?
2: I think I think I've said maybe one or two games. Yeah. Um, well Well, I wouldn't call it no I thought they were gonna be sweet at the start of the season. Um, yeah, but I'm after, saying like uh, Joe granted, Joe saying Tottenham was gonna win. No, well granted <laughs> yeah, I that. said top four, but granted that's um before the Kane fiasco yeah um, contingent on contingent on Kane, which he stayed and did nothing is doing nothing. Um, so that didn't help. Um, I think Santo's feelings are pretty obvious yeah. <laughs> on this one. Um, but just to say what Santo's about to say, I do... You know, I have one friend that I work with. He's um, he's a Tottenham fan. He's like, yeah, like Nuno had to go. But like we always say, I, I what was he supposed to do in the circumstances? They didn't pick up anyone new. And Kane is a depreciating asset. It's like, I think he did the best he could under the circumstances. Um, And, you know, I'm not sure, you know, yeah, they have Conte. He'll probably get a bit more out of the squad. But, you know, I think top four, whether it's Conte or Nuno, is a bit of a reach for the state Tottenham's in right now. So it is a little tough. Um, We'll have to see what happens in the transfer window. Yeah. I mean, basically ditto what Joe said. It's just this ongoing thing in the modern Premier League era of, Making it as hard as possible for a coach to succeed. Super short term, like we're bringing you in and we expect to like jump up the table. Yeah, so, no new oh, players. Let's get really quick results. <laughs> it's like someone gambling on the stock market. Like, hey, let's uh, let's put some uh, money in here and then, like, oh, we got to make a we got to make a return right away. And you know, at least for me, you know, taking over a team, it's a long term project. You know. Just like with Sir Alex Ferguson back in the day when he was doing bad at Man U at the start. Um, he was going to get let go and then um, or I think he was going to leave and then you know things worked out where he stayed. Can you imagine if they would have let Sir Alex Ferguson go Yeah. after not succeeding early on? Yeah. So, you know, obviously there's a balance that has to happen if a coach isn't cutting it. Nowhere do I think 10 games. Yeah, 10 games and it's taking over a new team with you know, with taking a, over Tottenham, talking over Tottenham who doesn't want to spend, who don't really have a striker besides song right now. And, you know, you want results right away. It's very, very tough. Um, you know, I think it's with anything. You know, I know even with Liverpool, um, Klopp wasn't, you know, he wasn't killing it like he is now. Mm-hmm. At start, he was like fighting for top four. It's like, you imagine, like, no, like, we want you to, like, win the title, like, this year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I think you ha- the a club has to find an owner or a, a coach that it's like, this is going to be our guy long-term. And, you know, at least give him the benefit of the doubt to run, like, uh, through a season. And then, you know, okay, it's not going well. Let's see how, like, the next season starts and give him, you know. It would make sense if, you know, this was Nuno's second season, and mm-hmm. there was no change. You know, no changes. Yeah, makes sense. But ten games in, you know, what's what's he gonna do in ten games? Very yeah. Tough. It's like the 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 table just starting to take shape, but um, still, you're there's how many points? Ten points separating the top nine sides. Yeah, you know, still a, a pretty big gap. But, you know, that can fluctuate, you know, given you get a few wins, top teams drop points, like the tables yeah, the table can just taking right shape, you know, into the season. You didn't even get past Christmas. Christmas is crazy, you know, especially with all the games you play. You could make big leaps in the table. Yeah. So, you know, we could say this over and over again, but not to sound like a broken record. I just hope that owners of teams just figure out that, you have to have some level of commitment to your coach. Yeah. I mean, granted I did hear what someone said and it is true. Um he probably wasn't the right appointment in the first place. You know, if you with the EPL if you want to get top 4, you have to look at you know, Tottenham should have been like, "Hey, we're going against Tuchel, Guardiola, Klopp." It's like, you know, was Nuno going to be the guy to be the other big four out of those guys you know very very tough i think you know they got conte now they can actually look at him be like hey this you know he could be the guy so that was a good you know obviously now they have the guy i hope they stick with you know granted they might not make top four this season i hope they stick with him next season if even if they don't take top four because that it like you said that is someone they could stick with to get into that you know elite of managers because he is one yeah, so we'll have to see. Um, but that's just something I heard and I thought it was true. It's like they, sh- if you're looking for top four in the EPL, you can't. Same thing with Man U. Like Ole in that group of players is going to be the other, yeah. the other fourth guy in that top tier of managers. Very tough. Yeah. Well, even when it came down to the hiring process for Nuno or for
1: Tottenham, he was like the ninth person on their on their chart. You know that? Like they tried to sign like three or four guys like before Nuno was even an option. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like they tried to sign um. A couple of guys from the German league that ended up signing with um, Dortmund. Some guy went to uh, coach the actual German national team. There was talks to Pochettino coming back if because he, he was kind of complaining about the PSG gig a little bit. Mm-hmm. So like, he was in talks coming back again. Gattuso was a name. Conte was talked to like in the offseason as well. And then all these guys basically turned it down. And then Nuno was like, the last resort kind of guy. Yeah. So from that point on, he always kind of had like one hand tied behind his back because he wasn't even looked at as like the savior for Tottenham. Oh, yeah. To, like, bring them to, like, the next level. So, I mean, like, it's kind of, like, from a confidence standpoint, it's going to kind of suck for him. Yeah. But then at the same time, like you guys have been saying, like, he didn't, he wasn't given enough time to even establish himself as the manager. Yeah. yeah. Like, he was still riding off of what Pochettino and Mourinho did from last season because he didn't get the leverage to even make any offseason deals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he had no, you know, ability to do so. And he got signed so late as well in the season, like, yeah. I think it was maybe end of July, I think, he got signed. Right. So, season starts mid, mid-August. mid So, you have, like, what, like, three weeks of training before your season actually yeah. kicks off. So, I think from that point, like, it was kind of an uphill battle just from the start. And then, obviously, like, Kane's performance dips. Son has not been the Son that we've seen. Mm-hmm. You know, Loris is getting older at the back. They don't have an established, you know, center back like Vertonghen and Vermon again. Like, they used yeah. to have. Vermon? No, Vertonghen and... Uh, oh who's well, the other it's one? been dire lately yeah yeah I'm talking about a couple of years ago not Vermaelen Verton oh my god <laughs>
2: who are uh, these okay. players
1: <laughs> Vertongen and Vermaelen I'm getting them both confused um, Alderville Toby Alderwild. Alderville yeah that's yeah. the other one yeah him and Vertongen. Hmm. yeah were like you know towers back there yeah for years like they were like you know kind of what and pride themselves on like defensively and then they had obviously their counterattacking abilities but those guys are all gone
2: right I so didn't know tongan left, to be honest.
1: Oh, yeah. I think like two seasons ago. Jeez. Or maybe mid-last yeah. mid year or something. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they've been decimated in different spots and haven't found suitable replacements because these guys have been established Tottenham players for years now that, you know, you can depend on them. And now, like, you're kind of throwing kids into, like, the mix a little bit. Or, yeah. like, Dyer's not a pure center back. He's like more defensive midfielder. And yeah. he's taking all your center back roles. And clearly, we've seen some holes in the back. <laughs> yeah. Um. Just multiple times, either between him or Ben Davies or whoever. Yeah. And, yeah, like attacking, I mean, it's a complete tale of two seasons. Oh, yeah. Like, obviously, last year was not Kane's, like, coming out party because he's been doing it for years. But he was, him and Son had, like, just a dynamic duo of a season. Yeah. Um, They scored 68 goals last year total. Yeah. Which I think was, like, top four, top five. They finished in seventh last year, but they were top four, top five in scoring. This year they have nine goals for. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> big change. I don't know how to extrapolate that over thirty eight games, whatever it is, but like that's not many. <laughs> no, nope, it's not gonna not gonna get close to last year. Um so yeah, they they're missing holes everywhere. And again, like we've talked about it at length, how it's easier to just fire the manager mid season as yeah. opposed to replacing you know a whole starting eleven. Right. So Nuno kind of got the shit end of the stick. Um Antonio Conte coming in, obviously an established coach. Yeah. Um multiple like just look at his track record with with Juve, with Inter, uh with Chelsea, obviously. Um I found some stats about him. He has a sixty seven percent win percentage in the EPL. It's only based off seventy six games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that puts him like top five all time. Right. I mean, I like, so Alex yeah, Ferguson's like up there as well, but he has like you know a thousand <laughs> games, yes, All the games, like it's actually nuts. Yeah, I think he has like nine yeah. hundred something games, uh, games managed, yeah. and like five hundred something wins or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a crazy stat. But, um, I mean, yeah, like I hopefully he kind of takes reins and takes control of the locker room because who knows if Harry Kane's doing that right now? Yeah, like we expect him not. to be the guy. Yeah, but clearly, with, with his dip in performance, maybe his dip, dip in leadership also is taken. In, yeah. Um, taking a hold of, like, the locker room and all that. So Conte's, you know, he's a fiery guy. Yeah. Like, he's an animated um, coach. He expects and demands a lot from his players. Yeah. Um, very defensive-minded, which will hopefully sure up those, I don't know, yeah, 16 right. goals against that they have this season, which is, right.
2: like, one of the worst in the league. Yeah, minus seven goal differential right now. Yeah, it's terrible. They're the
1: only top 10 team that has a mega goal differential. Oh, no, Wolverhampton also. Yeah, minus one. I mean, one. it's minus one, <laughs> not minus yeah.
2: seven. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> Yeah, like I said, Conte Conte is one of those top coaches. I can see him as one of those coaches next to Tuchel, Klopp, and, and Guardiola You know, managing one of the best teams in the EPL. Um, definitely like the signing of him. So my frustration with Nuno leaving has nothing to do with Conte coming in because I'd like seeing him in the EPL. Um, it's just, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that could have went on in the background. You know, maybe Conte opened up to the offer. I think there could have definitely been some talks of Conte coming you know, weeks and weeks ago, while Nuno was still managing, uh, yeah, Tottenham, and it could have just been like, he at any point, if Tottenham found an excuse to fire Nuno, you know, now that they could have got Conte, so could never know what happens. But you know, it's, I guess that's maybe I don't want to say the uglier side of football, but kind of the side that you don't like to talk about because you know, at the end of the day, it's people's jobs and you know, you give them almost no chance. So
1: you got to expect them to do something though. Like behind the scenes. Yeah. Like obviously there's tons of talks going on. Like, of course, like you see on drive to survive the Netflix show with like like Formula (laughs) One. Yeah. And how it's just like crazy backroom deals happening like mid season.
2: Yeah. All the time. Like private little
1: dinners and like meetings and like, you know, hotel rooms. It's like, the season's still going on.
2: Yeah. yeah. So you talk about leaving,
1: like, you're talking about leaving teams. Yeah. And like, signing them. L- like,
2: f- some drivers, like, halfway through the season, like, oh, I'm going to McLaren. Yeah. I like, that's a like, crazy thing. That's, yeah. the, that's the wildest thing I've ever seen. Like, imagine that just happens, like, this season.
1: Like, Ronaldo's just like, yeah, I'm actually going to go back to Real Madrid next year. But, but like, you got to finish up the I'll season. finish playing here, but I'm definitely leaving. Yeah. It's something it's like, you, you don't see. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, that's the thing about Formula One where because it's you know you do have a teammate and obviously we've learned that your teammates like your biggest rival in formula 1 um and it's just funny how <laughs> you have this entire organization that cares about the 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 team like McLaren, yeah. ferrari and then you have two drivers that yeah. oh, like, at any point mm, they could just leave your team yeah yeah generally right. only care about themselves but but yeah you don't you don't see that in, in football right i mean so. it, it just cuz you don't see it doesn't I mean it doesn't happen this is true,
1: but yeah Um, like, yeah, they have to do the due diligence and try and find a replacement, even if things are going down, going sour. I wonder if, like, Tottenham kind of pulled like a Ronaldo against United because they were hyping Antonio Conte to take the United job. Like, if Solskjaer was to get, you know, get sacked or whatever, and then I don't know where Conte signs with Tottenham, right? And it's like, if you're Antonio Conte, which team would you rather take over? If you had the choice, if, if, let's say, let's say it's in a few weeks from now and Tottenham and United are both losing their managers and Tona Conte has a choice to pick either one or two sides going into January with a free transfer
2: window coming up. Yeah. What side do you think he's going to pick? You know, I oh, would, I'm just going to say Tottenham just because I feel like there's so much politics involved with Man U. He would probably not get uh-huh. any of the players he wanted and it would be like a nightmare for him. Yeah. I'm assuming with Tottenham... I think he has more, um, not authority, but more in a spot to say, it's like, I know you guys don't spend a lot, but look where you guys are. Like, I need this, 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 and this. Where he can, if you said this to me, and he was like, Yeah, but we're not interested. Like, we just want these because, like, you know, we're this conglomerate and we want to make money. Mm-hmm. I feel like with Daniel Levy, you could just go and be like, Listen, you want to win trophies. You're not behaving like you want to win trophies. This is what I need to happen. Yeah, <laughs> in the transfer sure. window. So yeah, like he, you know, he carries weight with him when he talks and like
1: when he demands something because he's established as a as a manager. Yeah, yeah. Like I wouldn't say like Nuno and Solsha aren't respected, but they're just not in the same league, I guess, or same level. Mm-hmm. Maybe as respect that Conte would have, where he could just walk into like a boardroom and say, "This is what, yeah, like what Joe said. This is what you need to win." Yeah, like, I've been around teams that have won. This is how I've operated before. Yeah, you guys haven't won shit. Yeah, (laughs) like ever. So
2: granted, with the way Man U's been conducting themselves, I feel like winning trophies is like second now, and like (laughs) making money is like first. Yeah,
1: as bad as that sounds, it does sound bad. But also, (laughs) I think with Tottenham, like I think their players are more coachable. Yeah, like that's true. The like on paper, you might look at both sides and be like, okay, market value, United is like you know leaps and bounds ahead of Tottenham. Mm -hmm. But you look at the players and the chemistry that you could see them playing together. Yeah. I mean, I've said it until I'm blue in the face. Like, I think United is like a team of individual players. Yeah. Maybe some guys, you know, like can work together and have some chemistry. Like Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes, obviously. Yeah. But I think with Tottenham, it's like they're very coachable players. And I think they want to learn. I think they want to play together well. Yeah. United, they just go out and play. Mm-hmm. And yeah. sometimes it works for them. Sometimes it doesn't.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think there is like more opportunity at Tottenham to, to get to where they want to get to. Because I think Man U at the end of it they have an ownership issue not really a performance issue I mean obviously their performances have been pretty poor but at the end of the day I think their issue is big time you know you have a you have an entire fan base that <laughs> doesn't like your owners and you're rebelling at the stadium and all that so yeah I think the potential at Tottenham especially now it'll it'll probably be better for Conte going forward and speaking of Man U <laughs> yeah we had the the probably the most anticipated game I think in the EPL schedule. A lot of people say it's Man U Liverpool. I think the Manchester derby has its own flair to it. Uh, it's a game I look forward to the most uh, nowadays in the EPL. But wasn't the most exciting as we've seen in the past? No, it was a dominance without <laughs> yeah, like the
1: thrashing. Yeah, like if you look at the scoreline at just two nil. That, that doesn't flatters, dictate. That
2: flatters manual. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. does not dictate how like the game Santa went. Said, it's like the only difference between this game and the Liverpool game is all of Liverpool's chances went in. Man um, right. City had plenty of themselves, and they could have all went in what it could have been another 4 or 5 nothing scoreline. Yeah. Oh, at um, least um, if that, yeah. lucky for they have De Gea, who sat on his head uh, for the 20 minutes when they were getting that thrashing. Yeah.
1: yeah. I've been a criticizer of De Gea for a while, but he played really good. Yeah. Like this game could have been at least you know four if not five. Like yeah, I said, like quality chances. Like I'm not just saying that because the game was like blown out. Like legit quality chances that yeah. could have gone in or should have gone in.
2: Absolutely. Daya stepped up big. Um, and had to save another own goal. You know, they got unlucky with the first one. Yeah, at seven minutes. And that's Lind-Lof. by his, that was by his first start of the season too. I eh? yeah, real tough. Yeah, I mean, very. And that's the kind of decisions like you're gonna put by in a back three. I don't even think it played a back three all season. I don't think so either. No. And I think someone, who was it? Uh, Michael Owen was saying it before the game. It's like, I think City knew they won uh, before they started. And someone had a great graphic. It was showing the average uh, positioning of the Man U players and the Man City players throughout the game. And Man U was all over the place. They were so bunched together. Um, Yeah. yeah. And that's why uh, City played, like, if you saw the formation, it was like a 4 1 5 because yep. they were playing so deep, so they just pushed Bernardo Silva and De Bruyne right Super up against high. their back three, and they couldn't do anything because menu was so out of shape. Yeah, so uh, that was a not the best coaching decision, I would say. Um, and I think that's where Pep Guardiola's uh, you know mindset comes in, where he just yeah. knows the game so well, he can just look at a lineup. It's like, oh, we just gotta <laughs> you guys yeah. play higher up the field, and like, they're done. Well, <laughs> yeah. you because yeah, they push. So you had you have your front three, but then you had De Bruyne and Silva pushed up with them, playing yeah. super high, you're basically playing five up front, like you said. But then with uh, Guardiola style, plays the inverted outside backs, yeah. and they could come inside all day because Manu wasn't pressing them. So you're basically playing with two center backs. You have your inverted defenders. You have Concello coming in who could play just as good as any midfielder, and Walker coming in with Rodrigo. And you, <laughs> it's just you like, they still controlled yeah. the middle of the field. You have your, mm-hmm. you have two outside backs. I guess you'd call them for, uh, Man City coming inside, and Man U's midfield was still non-existent. Yeah. and they still controlled, they controlled everything. But, um, McTominay, Fred, you know, was they were nowhere, to, you know, nowhere, nowhere to be found. Yeah, yeah, and for like for United's
1: way to counterattack, that was like by putting five midfielders across the middle, and there mm. was still space yeah for a city to go into and i didn't really pick up on this until like later on in my you know like when i when i kind of explored more than just the english game like kind of watching other teams play in other leagues yeah. but it wasn't until i started watching more barcelona games and there was one um one game that was on and terry Henry was yeah. actually doing the commentary like i think at halftime and like it kind of blew my mind a little bit because when we were younger there was no like tactics really to play like you had had formations and you had positions and you had like certain players that were like this guy's really fast and right-footed so he's in the right wing or you know like (laughs) go over there like that's that's our strategy yeah but it wasn't until i started like watching other teams and like getting more into the tactics that there's actual positioning and there's actual like strategy going on in the game that you just totally don't Mm -hmm. notice unless you actually like look for it yeah And I remember Henri was saying how it was actually when Pep was coaching Barcelona still. Mm -hmm. And he was saying how this player is like doing this one thing. I forget who the player was. This is such a long time ago. But he's like hugging the line here because he knows that, I don't know, during like the sixth pass in the sequence that's happening on the opposite side of the field, he knows that on the sixth pass, he's making a run down the middle of the field or something. So like he's hugging the touchline to like stay out of the play. But he knows like when that sixth pass comes, it's his turn to like make a diagonal run and go on a breakaway kind of thing and try and score. And like that's like Pep's strategy, like that's like Pep's brain, like working. Yeah. And then another thing today, on the uh, yesterday for the game was, I think it was, um, I think it was Silva, like was basically on the hip of like Luke Shaw or something. Yeah. And, like he was basically holding his jersey down and like pinning him to his spot, which allowed De Bruyne to make a run like along the wing or something because like he sucked Luke Shaw in. He yeah. kept, like, he kept him on his hip and like it drew him into the, like out of the play and then just created space for like De Bruyne and like Jesus to do like a one two pass or something like that. Yeah. So it's like even though Bernardo Silva is not involved in the play, he's not getting the ball. His run that he made and like just his positioning on the field to stand in that spot. Yeah. Took Luke Shaw out of the play, open up the right side of the field, and they came down and almost scored off that. Yeah. And like it's just it's mind blowing how some teams work like that, and then you have a team like Newcastle who just runs around the field. Yeah, and like you can see it. Yeah, or a team like you know Norwich, we chirp the two worst teams in the league, but <laughs> uh, a team like Norwich who again they just go out there and play, and like yeah. you don't really see much tactics, you don't really see much well, strategy. Main in you
2: kind of feels like they do that.
1: Well, I agree though. That, that, <laughs> that's what comes back to my whole individualized of yeah. like play of their team. Like they just don't seem structured. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you have. You know, world-class players. Mason Greenwood's been like a stud the last couple of years. Yeah. Like he's really shown up. He's really, yeah, he's really come out. Like of he's it. playing over Martial and Rasher. I Now Rashford's been hurt, but he's yeah. playing over Martial, Lingard, Sancho, even, and like he's yeah. been. I mean, he hasn't you know. been s- showing up in the score sheet as much. Yeah, but he's still getting those minutes. Yeah, he's playing really well. Like Ronaldo's Ronaldo. Bruno Fernandez is probably like the MVP of the season last year for me yeah. personally. Like just quality, quality guys. Yeah, but then they just like when they play against like heavy competition and well coached competition you see that disconnect and you see the breakdown yeah and again it might come down to coaching it might come down to the players that they have just aren't maybe you know tactically aware or they're not like their knowledge of the game isn't as good as some players on City yeah because that's got to come into play too yeah like you don't want to say like they're like dumb players that's like that's a really Mm -hmm. weird rude way to say it but like IQ of the game and like seeing like the vision of the game Mm mm-hmm That comes with skill. That comes with experience. And it obviously comes with coaching. And, I mean, there's no better team to look at than Man City. Right. Players like De Bruyne, Guendouan. Like I said, Bernardo Silva has been, like, my best player of the season, maybe for for me personally. Oh, yeah. Like, just unreal playing and unreal movement on the field. And that just all comes down to just building the right team, Mm -hmm. getting the guys you want, getting the guys you know will adapt to your strategy and your playing style, and then just converting when you have to. Yeah.
2: And that's Pep. Pep Ball One Hundred and One, yeah, and it's you know it's bad when uh, Paul Scholes before the game says uh, he'll take a draw, um, because he 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 made a good point though because even when he was on Man U and you know in the in those glory days of Man U when they would play uh, Barcelona, you know, and when Pep was coaching them, he said it was a different game. You know, you had to kind of humble yourself and know that you're not going to see the ball for most of the game. Oh, yeah. And you had to play a completely different game because they're just simply a better team. Um, so I guess that's probably the one thing where, you know, you can't really see Manu and Man City on a level playing field anymore just because of what Pep's done with Man City. So it is one of those games where you have to play counterattack hopefully score, you know, obviously getting an own goal is probably the worst situation that could happen early on in the game, in a game like this. Um, I mean, it sits you back like right away. Like, yeah, like,
1: like all your, all your thought that you get like, like all your prep, it's like, okay guys, we get out there. We're going to like really press them.
2: Own goal, seven minutes in. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, shit. Yeah, <laughs> that early, the early goal will crush you if you're, oh, so, if you're any they, team going against a better team. That early goal just,
1: and of course the up. way it goes into like, like I don't want to say it's obvious, it's not, undeserved like
2: no one deserves an own goal
1: against them right but like city at even at that point was playing so much better yeah yeah where it's like i mean from the first kickoff of the game it's like city just had the ball
2: the whole time right
1: like before that own goal even went in they might have scored two goals before that yeah so it was
2: a goal was deserved at that point (laughs) the goal
1: a goal was deserved not that
2: way of maybe going (laughs) in
1: but it would not surprise me if they wouldn't have scored in the first 10-15 minutes anyways yeah right on their own merit yeah um Unfortunate for Bailly, like we said, it was his first start of the season. Like welcome to that EPL yeah. 2021. Gets subbed off at half too. Yeah, he did. Jane, Jane Ancho came uh, in at halftime. Yeah. I mean, already down two nil. Come win us back this game, buddy. Come, like yeah, here's your, yeah. Here's your moment to shine. Yeah, this is the moment we've been waiting to play yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you for. what the fuck is this? What supposed to do? I'm losing two nil against the best team in the league. Now I'm gonna make my chance to come in here and you know show what I got. Yeah,
2: I don't know. Yeah, it's tough, and I mean you know, Bernardo Silva, like, obviously probably the best player for Man City this season so far. Getting a goal that I didn't even think went in when it first saw it. Um, Yeah. He slipped one by De Gea for the the amazing game De Gea had. That's the goal. (laughs) That's the second goal (laughs) that he lets in. Um, You know, sleeping by uh, Luke Shaw and I think Maguire or Lindelof went by. And he just, you know, tucked it in and didn't even know he scored until he actually saw the ball in the net. But no, like De Gea saves
1: the saves the hard ones, lets the easy one kind of go in. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more like the surprise factor than anything. He just didn't think Silva would probably get to that ball. No. And like at, that being said though, he's still like hugging the post. Like he was, like De Gea was on the post. Yeah,
0: like, I, yeah. Think I,
2: still, I think he <laughs> just didn't react fast. Yeah. Enough. Well, but I think you know, in slow motion, obviously it looks bad. But I think in real time, because Bernardo Silva, when he made contact with the ball, he was literally a foot off the post. Mm-hmm. you know he was super close so balls getting whipped in and you come and you like touch the ball that quickly you know from it's like half the distance from me to you and a ball's coming whipped in i just like touch it like it's mm-hmm. i can see how it's tough to save um i was just it was more so the defending for me um but i think nine times out of ten that ball goes out for for a goal kick so credit to silva just poaching and you know probably a goal they didn't need because i think they would have went on to win anyway but came from somewhere
0: yeah,
1: for sure. Um, you want know, to bring up that that uh, article I posted in there too?
2: Crazy stats.
1: Yeah, so I found this uh, posted after the game. I didn't really look at much of it, so I kind like, of wanted to like take a dive at the same time you guys do. Yeah. Um. So I thought that the the numbers that they list here, I thought it was like stat one, stat two, stat three. Yeah. But the corresponding numbers have something to do with like why, like why it's there. Okay. Um. So then he like two Manchester United had more shots attempts on their own net. Yeah, that than they did I, on
2: Man City's. I saw this one where yeah, I mean, uh, by had you know classified as a shot on net because it was an on goal. Victor Lindelof almost put it in the net from yeah. three yards out, and then De had to make a little foot save there. So that could have that's two shots on their own net by Manu, and they didn't have that many against Man City. So yeah, and that was the thing like De Bruyne didn't even have to play well yeah <laughs> to have an impact on the game which is very rare and i think that goes back to some something i heard someone else say it's the difference between crystal palace when they beat man city and united was crystal palace actually showed grit mm-hmm. to go on and like you know let's take it to them man u was just nothing mm-hmm. it literally felt like nothing no one was sticking in tackles making it tough they just they sat back and just let let it happen well i no. think sorry i, I heard before the game was talking, where I think a lot of this game, actually, and I think this sounds really bad, especially for Man U, and I don't know how true it is, but um, most of this game was just Man U making sure another Liverpool scenario didn't happen, then trying to win the game damage control. from the start yeah. which is yeah. bad because if you're man you go in the mantras of derby it's like let's try not to lose five nothing yeah it's like, that's your attitude going to old like, guys or... we know
1: we're gonna lose but let's just not make it five yeah yeah so
2: right. i mean that's such an awful way to look at things <laughs> so who knows i mean at the end of day speculation but judging yeah. by how they played <laughs> yeah no one there was no they had one good like mint like And all those left-footed volley. Yeah, that's I think the only time they actually got forward in the whole game. Right. Um. So it's like they were just waiting for the ball to bounce their way and saw an opening to take it, and not trying to create anything. I don't know. Yeah. Strange. But yeah. Um. I think the next craziest stat is, um. Number twenty-one. Yeah perhaps the most staggering stat to emerge from Saturday's contest 21% of Manchester United's home defeats in the Premier League history have now come with Solskjaer at the helm Ooh. yeah that's bad Like that's a stat you do not want to be
1: part of when it comes to man new lore no nope. mm-hmm. like that's absurd yeah. think of the history and the pedigree I mean they've only had like five coaches in the last 30 years mm-hmm. basically yeah. <laughs> so
2: Oxford's taken up 75% of the, which all actually the when you
1: put it that way it's not that crazy actually like the Premier League started in like the ninety one or something, mm-hmm. and so like literally yeah, that's been like, like almost modern. thirty something years. Yeah, um, and yeah, they've had you know Sir Alex Ferguson for twenty <laughs> for most four of, of those years. <laughs> yeah,
0: like mm-hmm. so, yeah. It's, it's
1: actually not that many. It's not like it was like a coaching carousel throughout their history, right? Like some other teams, but I don't know. It's just like a staggering st- st- stat to look at because his tenure has been so short, right? And it's not like it's just an amount of losses; it's like a legit percentage at base as a whole. So, like that's actually a lot of percentage of their team history, right? Yeah. In two years, is that what it, he's been there? Two and a
2: half years? Yeah, yeah. It's still it's still not a good stat, you know. No, especially on um, if you're a Man U fan right well, now, and especially because I know the score line. Well, it's like you said; they were trying to make a Liverpool not happen again. But I know the score line was two nil. But even just looking at these stats. It was so one-sided, like the yeah. most one-sided I've seen a 2-0 game ever. You know, what, like, saying 753 passes against Man U. Yeah. You know, and Man U had, I think, 200-something, so not even close. And I don't, you know, there was maybe a few spells in the game. Like, I probably got on one hand when Man U actually had, like, some composed possession, and... And it was like towards the end of the second half when Man City was just kinda hanging out mm-hmm. and keeping Manu in front of them. But yeah, it was just all around we could we could bash Manu all day on that, but like we've talked about, they need an overhaul, so do we still think it's a manager overhaul or a team overhaul? I think they need all. They need an ownership overhaul. An owner? Yeah, ownership, I mean, it, yeah. they need manager. If we that. were
1: pulling the strings, and yeah, we would yeah. say gut the whole program, basically. Well,
2: they need, you know, unfortunately, they didn't get Conte, which they could have really used. Cause they need someone to go in and get the best out of his players, and whoever's not fitting to the system, like no matter who it is, it's like Pogba, like your attitude sucks, like you're gone. <laughs> you know and Conte I mean? would do that. Yeah,
1: Conte is yeah. one of the main main reasons why Digo Costa left Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. Like, which after was, winning, yeah. After winning, you know, the EPL title. Yeah. And they kind of blew, uh, came to blows. And then it's like, okay, go back to Atletico. Yeah. And then, obviously, Conte left Chelsea because they stunk. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, um, yeah, with, like, with having, you know, a fiery manager and a big ego with the manager, I mean, comes with the clash of heads between fiery and big yeah. ego players, too. A like whole Mourinho and Pogba scenario mm-hmm. as well. Right. Mourinho maybe didn't have the backing or the support from management that Conte maybe would have had. Mm-hmm. Um. Obviously, we can't say, but um, a lot of times I feel like when it comes down to like the player or the manager, the manager gets a shit end. Yeah, because he's I more agree. expendable, right? Yeah. You know, you, you know, no one's gonna go buy Mourinho jerseys. It's true, right? This is true. Um. See, so yeah, I I personally thought Conte would have been the guy for United. I think he would have been a good fit. Yeah. Tottenham, good on them for souping him up. Like, yeah. what if? I mean, it'd be crazy. If, like Tottenham surpasses United this year. Yeah. Like in the standings, I mean, it's not out of the realm
2: mm-hmm it would, it would just be sad to see Manu turn into another Arsenal where they're so because f- Arsenal you know especially when Wenger was there they, they were doing I mean really well I mean if Manu was doing as well as Arsenal was doing back then with Venger on a consistent basis I think they'd be pretty happy but you know Arsenal wasn't really winning any trophies uh, but they were you know running a business and they were one of the few teams that were constantly in the black every year mm-hmm um, I really hope that doesn't happen with Menu because I think <laughs> at the end of the day, the only reason you have fan supporters is because you're winning games and winning trophies. Mm-hmm. No one really cares about your bottom line as a company when you're a fan. So yeah, because the fans will show up regardless, right?
1: Like even yeah. if they got like relegated, fans will still be there. Yeah, if they drop sale prices, they drop ticket prices,
2: fans will still be there. Yeah, they're the they're the lifeblood of every team right um so moving on to the Chelsea Burnley game yeah <laughs> raging andrew here well
1: okay i thought so watching the united game united city game like obviously like that matchup is like pretty heavyweight you know listed and i'm like okay chelsea against burnley so, I'm like, whatever happens in the United City game, like, if there's a crazy upset and, like, United wins, that's amazing. If City wins, it doesn't matter. We're playing Burnley. We're going to win anyways. Mm-hmm. And we'll still be, you know, X amount of points ahead. I think it would have been four points ahead. Right. Um, if they both would have won. But, I mean, I saw <laughs> I saw on Twitter someone put, as a Chelsea pundit, he used, said something how people were, like, going in his DM saying, like, I told you we don't need Lukaku. I told you we don't need Werner for this team to win. Because they were pulling off a string of wins, mm-hmm. uh, mixed in with like the championship and or sorry, not championship the um, uh, what was it called yeah the EFL tournament championship yeah. whatever it is Carabao Cup thing, and then also uh, Champions League without Werner Lukaku, but then it's like when you get down against these gritty Burnley teams and like a mid table team mm-hmm. that just fight mm-hmm. yeah, that's when you need your killer instinct yeah. And I feel like without Lukaku, I mean, I'm not gonna put Werner in the realm of like a killer instinct player. Verner <laughs> do not Bernie, don't would go against everything I've ever believed in when it came to him. <laughs> yeah. But missing a pure striker like Lukaku really shows in a game like this when right. the chances were like so there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they just didn't have strikers putting the ball away. And this is a game where it came out to bite them in the ass. And this is kind of like reminiscent of the Chelsea of last season before Lukaku came. Yeah, when they were playing Werner in that role, or when they were playing. You know Kai Havertz or Mason Mount and like that kind of false non attacking role,
0: mm-hmm. they
1: just didn't possess a killer instinct. Yeah, and I mean we saw it in the, the highlights and like the replay. Callum Hudson Odoi could have had two. Pulisic came on really late. He had like another uh, decent chance. Frost Barkley had like a sitter on the top of the mm-hmm, eighteen, yeah. Skies it over the net. Really. <laughs> like these are you know balls that I think will be put in the back of the net if they were playing their guys. But clearly, this isn't like a manager choice. And yeah. Lukaku and Werner are both injured. Um, the last thing you want to do with the players that valuable to your team is rushing back too early. So, right. Again, I thought maybe the mindset of Tuchel would be like, we just had champions league match midweek. Um, we, had, you know, we played a lot of our starters there. We have Burnley on the weekend. Let's you know get that win. Move mm-hmm. on. International breaks coming up, save our players, get them rest up, come back strong in like two weeks. And maybe they kind of overlook Burnley this match. Yeah. Like this is like a classic trap game, like home mm-hmm. game before international break you're going against Burnley. Let's just walk into this one, do our shit and get out. Yeah. And I mean, they put up a stinker of like, not even a performance, but a stinker of just taking care of business. Yeah. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah. I mean, they, they created all the chances you could ever ask for in a game. Yeah. Um, it's just, it was just a matter of putting it away. But, um, yeah, it's, it's tough to criticize like, uh, um, um, you know, a lot of the players, but <sighs> I feel, and you know, we talk about this all the time, just being at that professional level. But, and we talked about it a few times on this podcast, where you can do everything right as a manager. At the end of the day, if you're just not finishing off chances, that ultimately comes down to the players. And right. I think that's, that's the difference between a player like Lukaku um, versus who they had on. He he's just the player that puts it away and at the end of the day that's why he's on the team is why he's as good as he is is these are the types of games you have to win if you want to win the title at the end of the season because you know the good teams like Man City and Liverpool are, I mean, we're going to go back to Liverpool in a second. But, you know, typically these are the games when the team that wins EPL just kind of takes care of business. And Chelsea, unfortunately, did not close this one out. Yeah. Yeah. This is like a very gettable game for them. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: looking at the schedule, you're seeing City United playing each other. Big game. Um, You know, up until the last couple of seasons, you would see Liverpool and West Ham and be like, oh, that's just kind of. Like a flyby game, like Liverpool will probably win that one. But the last couple of years now, West Ham's made a resurgence. Yep. Under David Moyes, and it's like, okay, that's another big game. So right. now you have your two biggest rivals at the top playing, arguably their two biggest games, um, mm-hmm. not to date, but two biggest games like recently, with like the biggest implications on the top five. And you're playing Burnley. <laughs>
2: you're playing uh, so the
1: eighth place win.
2: bottom yeah. in the relegation zone. Get your win. Like these have are the win. games you have to win, right? And that's why I told you, I think that's the one crutch of Chelsea Liverpool is. I said this to you. Like, both of them are two, like, two, maybe three injuries away from yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're done. Like, no chance of winning the title. Happened with Liverpool last year. It was, like, Van Dype and Mad Tip both got injured. Fabinho. And they had no chance, absolutely no chance of winning the title. Chelsea, if Werner and Lukaku, if they're without a striker, number nine. Well, <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah. but you know, Werner really caught. Yeah, like, he, he gets like they pair well together. But if same thing with them, if they get you know, if Reece James get, gets injured and like Lukaku gets injured for a long time, like literally that could throw off their whole season. Yeah. yeah. Um, with City, you know, if they get three big, in, like if I remember of one one season De Bruyne was out for like five months and I and Aguero d- and Aguero was out and I was like I didn't even realize because they were just still winning yeah games. that was last that season was, yeah. yeah yeah when they, when they went on the big win streak they didn't have Aguero or De Bruyne during that whole thing yeah, Aguero yeah. Had,
1: I think he had COVID uh over over the
2: fall oh, yeah. and like the winter yeah
1: I think he got hit pretty bad with COVID and then oh, okay. De Bruyne had like his injury spells yeah. last
2: season I mean they're so it was like next guy up right? yeah and they're so yeah. I think that's the one advantage City has. And it's credit to Pep for building this team of like, oh, I have seven people that can slot into the starting lineup no problem. But I've like managed all of their personalities so well that they're mm-hmm. just okay with buying to the program. It's like if, like literally with City, if four or five players got injured, you probably wouldn't notice because, you know, yeah. <laughs> what, Mares, Sterling, Grealish, <laughs> all of them didn't yeah. play against Man U. Yeah. Speaking of that, yeah, and, so true. Yeah. yeah. Going, going to, to Grealish, there. I mean, you know, he would have probably been pretty upset that he wasn't in the Manchester Derby because going to making the move from Villa to City, that's probably the one game you're looking at that you're most excited about. Oh yeah, you're circling out in the calendar. Yeah, like as soon as you arrive at, mm-hmm. at yeah. the City's grounds, and he didn't get to start and play it at all. But yeah, I mean, Grealish, Sterling, Mares, all on the bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, didn't even notice. And like in Joe's scenario,
1: if players got hurt for Chelsea, let's say. Obviously, they do have replacements, but I mean, like a name, a recognizable name on paper, like, oh, that guy's been around for a long time. Like you said, Reese James, if he gets hurt. Well, they have Marcus Alonso to put there, but Marcus Alonso and Reese James aren't the same player. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or they'll have like Ben Chilwell if they want to switch the sides or ask for These are guys that have been there now. Well, James is kind of a newcomer, same with Chilwell, but for the most part, these guys have been names that we've heard for, you know, a season or two, but they're just different Mm-hmm. caliber players mm-hmm. i guess right but then you look at a city and it's almost like a balanced squad across yeah you know from your not i'm gonna say i'm not gonna say goalkeeper but from your defenders to your forwards mm-hmm. it's pretty much like an interchangeable lineup whereas like yeah chelsea is very 13 player heavy like, mm-hmm. rotation yeah. heavy i want to say like their back line doesn't really change yeah like it might switch in and out for you know cup ties like might get a game or two uh, Marcus Alonso, like he started the season off pretty well, but then he's kind of taking a back seat now because Reese James has just emerged as like <laughs> <Yeah. you> know, <laughs> the one best of the best, back in the right of the best backs in the league, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Um and then yeah, their midfield has just been an ever changing wheel basically of Kovacic, Gino Conte, uh, Mount's been there, Havertz, Barkley mm-hmm. made an appearance today. Um Loftus Cheeks made some, you know, some appearances in the last couple of weeks. But they're just not, you know, the same caliber of players. Right. Yeah. Like it's not your like you wouldn't look at the lineup and be like, oh, I'm really glad Loftus Cheeks playing and not Mason Mount today. Yeah. Right. right. I mean, clearly not. Yeah. You know? But I mean, they're just their names that you pick up. So it's like you kind of look at and say, OK, we should still do well. We should still win. But then when you actually watch the games unfold, you see the disconnect. Right. Yeah. And yeah, Chelsea and Liverpool are kind of similar in that sense. I think City is like a one-off mm-hmm. where they can just kind of throw anybody in like we've seen it before. Like you said, Mars and Sterling and Grealish didn't play today. Yeah. I mean,
2: they could have yeah. easily played with Sterling and Mares up front instead of Bernardo Silva and Foden, and Foden Silva could have easily played in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> instead it's of, of De Bruyne and man. Gundogan, and Fernandinho could have easily played and maybe not this game in particular because Rodri, <laughs> we talk about it. It was like a 4-1-5, and Rodri just bossed midfield against four other <laughs> yeah. Man U players. I just realized this though I thought about this. Like Manu man or Man City didn't even make a sub that whole game against Man U. Yeah. And I think well, that they didn't was have to. to. It's a training session. I, yeah, they didn't have to. But I think because Pep saw the flaw in how they lined up, it's like, okay, I have the players on the field to just play this way and do the high press, and like we'll win this game, and like it'll be super simple. And he just didn't change it. It's like, yeah, just, like watching. <laughs> and, walk and game, right? You know. Um, yeah, yeah. Credit to them. And I still remember the one, the one game I was watching the City play. I forget who they were playing. But uh, they just showed uh, they had their starting lineup for City, and then they they showed their alternate eleven of all the players that weren't playing for City. You know that team could have went on the field and just, just yeah. handled menu right. And that's
1: in Man City for years now. I remember they used to do that when like Adiboyar got signed. Yeah, we're like, ten about years that. ago. Yeah, and it's like they show their bench, and it's like their bench is worth four hundred million, and they play against a team like I don't even know who it was, Sunderland or something, and their whole roster was like. 80 million or something. Yeah. <laughs> and no, City's bench close. is just like trumping it. Um, yeah. After the game, actually, Phil Foden came out and he did it on Twitter. And I think he did it in an interview. He said that this was a game of our lives. So said yeah. that we just played the game of our lives today. That's for you City fans. Yeah. So like he's super passionate, obviously. Oh, yeah. He's been in Man City Youth Academy. And this kind of goes into hand-to-hand with talking about managers and like the culture of the team. Like he's been raised as a Man City youth. Yeah, to you know not hate United but you know like you step up for the big United games and yep. to have a response like that it's not like, again it's not that like they smashed them 6-0 it's not like they embarrassed them and they made a huge statement on the scoreline they just literally went out there were so calm and just controlled everything controlled every, every aspect, part every of the aspect, game yeah. And, yeah and like like Santo said with United maybe going into the game to do uh, damage control and like already being down before the game even starts mm-hmm like, that's just such a confidence boost for City. Yeah. Like, obviously, that's terrible for United. Right. from City's City standpoint, it's like, guys, we already have this in the bag before we even start. They had eight de- they had eight defensive players on the field for
2: yeah. United. Like, yeah, exactly. Can you imagine your City looking at that? Be like, all right, they're so clearly... We're, gonna, we're not going to be threatened. Through. We're yeah. going to
1: possess the ball. We're going to be able to do whatever we want. We know we're better than this team. We know that everybody on our team can match up equally or, if that, better than every player on their team. Let's just go out there and have some fun. Yeah. And I feel like that's what they did. Yeah. And I mean, it really showed again, like the scoreline doesn't dictate it. We can say that forever. Mm-hmm. If this was five nil, it'd be more incentive, I guess, to get Ole out. Yeah. Um, Cause the headlines would read, you know, five nil thrashing, but it was more just like a two nil, like picking apart yeah. basically. And like, I don't know, running a clinic, right? Yeah. Basically running a clinic, running a training session against, you know, a world-class team.
2: Yeah. Um, I wish Chelsea did that. <laughs> yeah, clearly. So, um, they're, I mean, they still, there's still three points uh, right. ahead of City in the standings. You know, their goal differential is really um, looking good compared to everyone else except Liverpool. But um, plus 23 next to City at plus 16. Um, but, you know, it's, it's still pretty tight. We'll see what happens, uh, especially as we get into Christmas and yeah. We get into all those games, right? See which top teams can manage that the best. Well, I think my biggest worry from the result,
1: obviously, and I'm talking like they lost the game. They didn't lose the game. Oh, they lost the game. Well, it, <laughs> it felt like they lost the game. It <laughs> felt like a loss. It literally did feel like a loss. Um, it was just it was a 1-1 draw, and they let in the goal at the end. Poor defending. but Yeah, it came out of nowhere, but <laughs> credit to Burnley. When, when the result got posted and I saw it, I was watching the game, but like when I, you know, digested what just happened. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, this sucks, obviously. We could have pulled ahead of, of City like for like, by a little bit more, but I was worried about the Liverpool game today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was going to be a big one. Liverpool-West Ham, like I said, the history of these two teams, there's basically nothing um, from a competitive standpoint. Mm-hmm. But now in the standings, it was... Juicy. You know, a three versus four match that got reversed by the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool came in in the third place. West Ham, we haven't you know have talked a lot about them, but you know, we've kept our eye on them and made some notes about them. You know, Mikel Antonio playing really, really well this season. David mm-hmm. Moyes bringing in some uh, players like Kurt Zuma that can sure the defense up a little bit. And a player like Fabianski on, in net that's been playing unreal, I think, for the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Um, they don't jump out at you as a threatening team, but they're one of those teams that have embraced what David Moyes brings to the side. Yeah. And having this game at home at London Stadium is obviously a huge one, too, because, like, those fans are going nuts. Oh, yeah. Uh, Pactos. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I was looking forward to this game, saying, like, Liverpool's probably going to win, and, like, we're going to be, like, one point up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm like, damn, like, this is going to suck. Like, I'm nervous for this one. Um, But we had a treat. To West Ham's credit, man, (laughs) they showed up. uh, Another game that had an early own goal. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. I mean, I wouldn't even call that an own goal. It's I like, know it, he curled ha- it in hardly yeah, He curled it in from the corner. Like, that's he, basically what it looked like. Yeah, like
2: basically, Allison just misjudged it. He had a lot of pressure on him. Yeah, he whiffed at it. Right, and ball just went in off the corner.
1: Um, unlucky start, obviously, but early yeah. goals, man, they dictate the games. Like they make it so much more
2: fun. Yeah, and no a ba- in a balanced game. Yeah, like, it, like it, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely way more exciting. You Don't get any of those zero zero <laughs> halftime games where literally nothing happens. So, it was good, but um, I just want to say, yeah, it was it was good with West Ham. You know, getting the early goal, and then uh, Alexander Arnold, <laughs> beauty, man! What a free kick, beauty! I loved.
1: Like, I put in the notes here, like just that little play to just change the angle of the shot mm-hmm. between him and Mo Salah. I mean, we see that done all the time, but I never see them actually score. Like, yeah, I never it see never a goal actually come from works. It. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like why do you even why do you even try and do that? Yeah. But just to slightly shift it, I don't know, two or three feet yeah. outside to the right just changes the angle for attack, which is like really smart when you think about it. Yeah. Like clearly it's gonna work. Like yeah, clearly, clearly gonna, it's gonna work. Well
2: it's gonna I'll, give you a better shot. I was just surprised because he did that and, and no one went for the ball. No one very yeah, strange. No one from the wall no one they didn't break up the wall, which maybe I'll get. But first off, you had to have known he was gonna do that. Like he had he had no run up. He literally, he was standing on the ball, and he toe-poked it to Salah, and then he went and shot it. Like, you had to have known he was going to do that. I don't know how. It never works because you always have people rushing to the ball when they do that. Yeah. No, no one, no one, on one did. You need wall. your designated guy to go. as usually was one guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, you're gonna run up one. Like, I remember,
1: like it. on the game, like on FIFA, like you get the one guy ready. He's already in like a runner yeah, stance. Yeah, like, he's already ready. He's yeah. like, right before the ball gets kicked. <laughs> yeah, I think they had the one guy lay down behind the the wall too. Did you guys see that? Yeah, like, they did. Like that, new, guy, that yeah. new move. The whole
2: lay down behind the wall. Is that maybe. a waste? No, but it's just weird. It <laughs>
1: happens. Like you want your yeah. you
2: want your wall to jump. Your wall has to jump. I I, I
1: haven't seen that happen in like the last like until the last couple of years, basically. Yeah.
2: So Yeah. And, and it's I mean, super rare that that shot even gets through. Like as it is. Yeah, under under the wall. Like, like to, to
1: sacrifice a guy from the wall or like another defender in the box. Just have a guy lay down, take a nap
2: during yeah. the free kick. I think with how good players are getting at free kicks, you need your wall to jump. Mm-hmm having your wall jump, especially with those players being good at free kicks, I think it's also likely that they could put one under the wall. You know, I think it's one of those things you kind of have to. You'd probably regret not doing it more than doing it. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's just that
1: one time we would have done it. (laughs) Yeah,
2: right. (laughs) Of course they score, right?
1: Um, Yeah, so to go into halftime, 1-1. I mean, it's a 1-1 scoreline to draw, but it was exciting. Yes, It was entertaining back and Mm -hmm. forth. Um, sometimes like, you know when we get like two sides, I mean, I wouldn't say Liverpool West Ham are evenly matched in like on paper, but the energy level of West Ham mm-hmm. I think really matches how Liverpool plays because like Liverpool just yeah. likes to go quick, right? Yeah, like they're built like, it's, like it couldn't be more opposite than what City does. Yeah, like, City's like ticky tack, like pass the ball back and forth six hundred times, and then like trying to do a cross on net. Yeah, Liverpool just I wouldn't say they run and gun, but they just attack in droves. Yeah, and West Ham. Did a lot of intercepting plays. Did a lot of counterattacking plays. Won them leading to the goal by Paulo hmm Great run by Bowen. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> just five Liverpool. And that's around. what I
2: think. I thought Van Dyke was pissed about it. Um, someone has to stick <laughs> at some point. Just go in and stick that tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, he just ran by who was it, Fabinho and uh, Alex Oxley Chamberlain. Mm-hmm. Just ran by. Like you have to stick. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you need. And I think maybe that's, you know, something they missed. I'm not sure why Keita wasn't playing, but, you know, that's something.
1: Oh, he got hurt last week. Remember? Oh, he got hurt last week right. and got replaced by Oxley oh, yeah. Chamberlain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In yeah. the,
2: so, uh, what game was that? It was a Pal- uh, the Palace you, game. Yeah. yeah and they lost 2 0. Yeah. Like I said, you know, that's a <laughs> big issue. Like, even Keita gets injured. You're already noticing the hole in your <laughs> midfield.
1: Yeah. Because, like, for that, it's not like a leg for leg replacement yeah. between Keita and, and Oxley Chamberlain.
2: Yeah, and you know that you just said that. I think that's what makes city so dangerous. They have the like, like replacements, literally mm-hmm. in every single position. Yeah, they do. Um, so good to call on that one.
1: Yeah, for the amount of times I chirp Bowen and say how like he just can't finish and he <laughs> just can't. He's not very good at attacking. He does this. And yeah, like <laughs> <just laughs> punches me in the face. Everything puts me in my, right. Puts me in my <laughs> spot. Yeah. Um, he. I don't criticize him because I don't. I, I don't expect this guy to be like a twenty goal scorer. Mm-hmm. But it's just funny when I watch him play and I watch highlights and everything. It's like he could be a twenty goal scorer because yeah, like he gets the- himself in those positions. <laughs> yeah. Well, he just can't finish. Poor bastard. Yeah. But <laughs> <It's> like- <laughs> but he's a good. But he's a gritty. He's a player that would fit in a big club. Yeah. Like a like a club like United. Yeah. Like just mm-hmm. run, just play yeah. tough. A guy yeah. like like, a, like a Kieran Phillips from from Leeds. Yeah, Like, he's just, like, a strong midfield player that just has a motor on him, doesn't stop, keeps running, mm-hmm. and it can, like, lock up your... or lock up and link up between the forwards and the defenders.
2: United don't have those players. They don't have a player yeah. like that. I actually saw, saw a funny tweet. Uh, someone was saying, it's like, if David Moyes didn't already manage Manchester United, there'd be talks of David Moyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw Managing that, one too, I I saw saw that. Yeah. Which is so true, but, like, it goes back to what we said. at the like sure it might be a step up from ole but they need <laughs> they need to bring in like he can't go back he, he can can't he? go back can he it wouldn't be a, like it would be the same thing with Nuno. it wouldn't be a smart appointment because he's not going to win you the epl right you know what i mean they need someone like i don't know like um let's say who's coaching Madrid now Ancelotti. Uh, no, Ancelotti. Ancelotti. they need like an Ancelotti to come in to Man U, yeah, or they need someone like that who's won trophies somewhere else. Um, I mean, if they want to get back in the top four, Moyes might be the guy. Um, but but I don't then for think, him to leave West Ham. I hope he doesn't. Yeah, um, that's a tough, tough, t- tough look. I mean, yeah. I think he's going to look back. He's like, oh man, I shouldn't have left Everton because it is went to Man U, didn't work out. Spent some time at in Spain. Probably, I don't know if he liked it or not. Now he's back in the VL. I, well. <laughs> huh? I think he hated it. <laughs> probably not ideal for him. Uh, he's probably... I could see him being the new guy at West Ham, especially if he makes Champions League.
1: I yeah, I mean, if you can solidify their spot I mean, like, just what he's been able to do in a couple of seasons there mm-hmm. has been groundbreaking for them. And it's just, it's finding players kind of out of nowhere, too, right? Like, obviously, I yeah. don't know the history of West Ham I and, mean, like, their Youth Academy and, like, who they've had coming up through the ranks. But, like, Mikel Antonio has been there for a while now, but he's, like, really emerged in the last couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. Um... Declan Rice has been arguably, like, one of the best midfielders this year. Yeah, you know, he, he played almost every game for England in the Euros. And he, I think he's the captain there now, too. So, like, he's just, like, solidified his spot as, you know, like, a real professional. And they have pieces around them that just work hard and yeah. fit yeah. in the system. And yeah. that's what it comes down to, too. It's a work ethic. Yeah. Like, how many times do you see United you know, players get pissed at each other or, like, oh, down on themselves? Yeah. And, like... You have to want to be there. Mm -hmm. You have to want to put the work in. Yes, a lot of these players are really good based on skill, based on just like merit. Ronaldo, based on his name and like who he is. Mm -hmm. Obviously, skills is there too. But a lot of these guys, it's like, okay, I'm I'm already on United. I know this isn't probably the way that they think, but this is like my perception of it. It's like, I'm already here. Like, why? Like, I don't have to like work as hard to get to that level. Yeah. I'm already here now. That's yeah. why I love watching, you know, college basketball. Sometimes, like in the like the March Madness tournaments, yeah, is these kids are striving to become NBA players. Yeah, there's something like a stat, like only one percent of like all NCAA athletes become professional. It's crazy, which is like nuts because yeah. there's like a hundred and something schools with like all these you know programs, and, like you know that do have professional levels at the end of the day, but only one percent emerge from that. Yeah, it's mm. like it's wild. So these yeah. kids have this dream of like trying to become the best they can be. They're playing hard every game. The fans are crazy for these teams because they're so passionate about like their alumni and yeah. all these players. And then it's like you're just trying to get to that next level. And then the players that you see now in like the NBA or NFL or even like players on United, they get complacent. Yeah. And it's like, I'm already here. Why do I have to keep trying so hard? Yeah. yeah. And I think that motivation
2: sad. the motivation has come from the manager. Um yeah. you always want to strive to be better, right? Yeah. Like strive for more. Like oh. Yeah. Uh,
1: it's frustrating because, it like, again, like, I don't, I'm not a United fan, but I do like to see them playing well. Like, I remember we said in the podcast, like, episode three or something, when the Arsenal's playing so shit. I was like, the EPL's better when Arsenal's good. Yeah. The mm-hmm. EPL is better when United's good. Yeah. It's just more entertaining. It's more passionate. It's, it brings more popularity to the sport. So, when these teams are sliding and they're playing
2: poorly it's like come on and guys. you have your fans like just hating every minute yeah. of watching yeah. your team play like it's, it's not bad. like I, the fans were just chanting like how shit they are oh yeah yeah during yeah. the city game they're like what what Basically basically saying this? we're shit yeah. yeah yeah which is terrible when you're Manchester United you're, Manchester yeah, you're United. Manchester United. <laughs> <laughs> like the biggest team yeah like the biggest yeah
1: but i mean these fans and have been there forever right they expect greatness yeah, yeah. and i think the dynasty that they have with Sir Alex Ferguson is like it's obvious it was amazing. It was an amazing run. But when you expect that you're in your route. Set it up for failure. It sets <laughs> up for failure. And then I mean they've they've been failing. <laughs> yeah, they've been failing. Like how many do they like what one or two titles since he's since he's left?
2: I think they won and Mourinho won something. He didn't win he, he that didn't that win a title. I think like no, yeah, Van Gaal up. might have won one. Won what sense. a title? No, nothing. They had
1: to have one. They have to won something since
2: the they the won an FA left. Cup with Mourinho, uh, and they won the Europa. Yeah, they won the Europa with Mourinho. Yeah, Jose.
1: Not yeah, bad. so that's that's <laughs> it. I mean, I could have sworn they won one Premier League title with no. um
2: since the departure of Ferguson. No, 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 no. Definitely not the Premier League. Definitely not the Premier League. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah. So, and you know, with that, <laughs> Arsenal, <laughs> given all the yeah. trash we've done to them, they jumped above Man U. So now, you know, we were kind of tripping Arsenal at the start of the season, and now they've jumped ahead of Man U. Um, with Man U taking that loss, so. yeah. Good on, good on Arteta. It's been a lot yeah. of pressure on him. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, hopefully with Arsenal, because you can see with the players they brought in. Like, I still do think they need someone. Uh, gritty in the midfield, someone with experience to compliment the young guys on their squad. Um, but good on Arteta. Like, we'll see, I think we'll see the manifestation of this project at Arsenal in the next two to three years, maybe. Um, hopefully everyone's bought in and that they stick with Arteta. Um, you know, I do think, you know, we'll see, I guess, how much he's learned from Pep. You know, I think getting into Champions League would be a huge win for them. Um, and we'll just see how we do. I guess only time will tell, you know, towards the end of the season if uh, Arteta and this thing he's building is the real deal. So, you know, I think this season and maybe next season, the season after that, we'll see if Arsenal turns into a team that can really contend for the top four, or maybe the title.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that's another team where it's like you have to have the backing of, obviously, um like management and ownership as well as the fan base mm-hmm. and like it's not like Arsenal have been winning a bunch of stuff and obviously like kind of like same with United and Alex Ferguson they get motivated to win titles because that's what they're used to getting is titles yeah and I mean when Wenger was like you know on his decline and they're only getting fifth place fourth place fourth place fifth place yeah and not winning any titles in anything they weren't winning any um, you know, domestic cups and all that, and like, oh, they beat Chelsea actually last year in the FA. Yep. So that's a good win for them. But to get the results in the Premier League is like one thing, and like that's basically on like the, the minds of every fan base. Yeah. Like we want to win the title, we want to win right. the Premier League, we want to win, you know, become champions of of the league. And you can't. I mean, the oldest cliche in the world, I think, is you can't. You can't build Roman a day. Roman isn't going to build right. him a day. Yeah. You have to put in the time. You have to wait and be patient. Yeah. And I think it's easier said than done for like lower place teams. Yeah. Like I mean Newcastle's one thing I guess because like they're <laughs> just got bought <laughs> yeah, by bil- by billionaire Saudis. Yeah. But I'm saying a team like Southampton, a team like Brentford, Leeds, Villa, you know, Crystal Palace, these guys like have always kind of been mid-table, mid-tier. Yeah. And they don't expect to win the title. Yeah, they expect positive results. They expect to be there. They expect to not be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. But a team like Arsenal, they want results. They want them now, or they're going to see changes. And I really hope Arteta has like gone to the brass at that Arsenal and said, like, "Hey, this is my plan. I'm not just here to wing it. I actually mm-hmm. have a strategy. I actually have like a plan uh, in place. Like, you know, it's going to take two, three seasons, but like just trust me, kind of thing. Yeah, like I'm building up these kids." We have a great youth academy, which we actually know Arsenal does have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm building up these these players. I'm hopefully going to be better. They're going to be world class. A couple years, like just wait and see. Yeah. If you can actually pitch that to ownership and they get behind you and they actually support you, that's huge. Yeah. And I feel like Arteta has been maybe saying that for a couple of seasons, and it hasn't really like paid dividends. But now we're starting to see it with them a little bit. Yeah. Because you look at their lineup, and it is a good mix of like youth and skill players, like older skilled players. But we've been beating it like a we've been beating it into our podcast like since we started. They just need to find two or three other players that can just really, you know, close the gap in their play, yeah, and like just become like, you know, world class Arsenal players for
2: now and for the future. Right. Yeah, because you know they're sitting fifth. They <laughs> went on a really solid run since they were bottom of the table uh, towards the start of the season. Been crazy. Yeah. Crazy so. Um, who knows? Like, could have Champions League, uh, uh, in hand. Seeing as uh, if Liverpool or West Ham, you know, drop any any points going forward, because I don't really, honestly, see Chelsea or City, uh, getting out of the top four. But Liverpool's on the cusp now, and mm-hmm. Arsenal's just one one away, uh, from, yeah, from catching them. I right? mean, I don't like. I do think City, Chelsea, Liverpool will still be in the top four. Looking at the bottom. Arsenal and Man U are way too inconsistent. Um and we'll see, it really hinges on West Ham how well they do. I think the next top four spot West Ham Arsenal Man U. I would I'm Go thinking ahead. with I think West, yeah, Ham, like you know? West Ham You know.
1: West Ham's been more like a together team though. Yeah. yeah, more more often than not. Like more often than Arsenal United. Like you said consistency is huge. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I mean, like West Ham's not putting together like strings of ten wins in a row, but they're not going to drop four. Yeah, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to lose. They're not going to escape with like two points out of a possible eight or something. Yeah, where we've seen
2: Arsenal and United United do that both times this season. (laughs) Man, you, yeah, Yeah, exactly. Three losses, one win, one draw last five games, and with West Ham, they have David Moyes, who's been there before. Like, he's gotten Everton into Champions League. He knows what it takes. So, he's, you know, they keep saying it. Like, when you win the league once, like, you know how to win. Like, you just know how to win. So, I think David Moyes knows how to, you know, keep a top four spot. So, you know, he'll drill it into the West Ham field. It's like, no, like, we have to win against Burnley. Like, (laughs) yeah, we have to. Yeah. You know? Most teams and, should win against Burnley. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> winning against Burnley right now. But yeah, just just looking at it, um, you've get the massive game with Liverpool Arsenal um, coming up. Uh, they're playing each other next. It's like we scripted so, it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who knew? It but is after international break. It is after international. Yeah,
1: so break. So we'll have the the two weeks off. So play resumes uh, next Saturday. Sorry, not next Saturday. Saturday, November twentieth. Right. Uh, it's the next slate of games. So if the, Arsenal
2: uh, beats Liverpool that would be a massive <laughs> that would be huge that would that would just turn things just forget everything i just said that would really turn everything I its head i
0: mean that,
1: yeah obviously like chelsea being in first is crazy like i love that but i think my story of this season is arsenal like coming back from dead <laughs> <Coming> <laughs> like, back from like i'm yeah, not even bottom. kidding like i i feel like i'm a, I'm a dumbass like how we spoke in the first like four episodes of the show here because like we were just you know, burying Arsenal. Well, I mean, when deep. you go,
2: what like three, three losses at the oh, start. Oh, they're brutes. Yeah, man. they didn't score a goal first month yeah. of the season. <laughs>
1: yeah, they did the whole <laughs> month. Yeah, they're doing goals <laughs> the whole no goal month. of the month. Um, to where to where they're at now. I mean, like kudos to Arteta. Like Chelsea's biggest rival is Arsenal, or one of them. Yeah. And like, I mean, I'm not a huge Arsenal hater. Like the past Arsenal with Henri and like Vieira, I love watching them play. Yeah. Um. So I'm not pissed to see them. Up this high, I'm very surprised. Again, like based on like how they started the season, but it wouldn't surprise me if they win the fifth place trophy again
2: for like another bajillion season. Well, I mean that would be considering like, how they've done. No, they, it would be an accomplishment. It would be an accomplishment if they're like at the end of the season fighting for top four. They're like, okay, like even if we're just in there, like that's huge. Yeah, considering and, where yeah, I, I mean were. they could take it as a big positive because you know being in the situation they were in where they're at bottom of the table and then they worked back and got here it's kind of like no matter what season you go into no matter how bad your start is you know that you've done it before you can do it again and you can get back and compete for top four
0: mm-hmm. so, they
1: like just like for last seasons. uh looking at last season they won their last five games and still finished eighth place yeah it's pretty bad like so. running out, going and run like that so like finishing in eighth place last season was obviously way down they could have been way worse off if they didn't rattle mm-hmm. off those wins last year. So it's obviously a down season. And I didn't expect them to make, I mean, it's hard to say even like a comeback because like they were so down at the beginning of this year, too. But yeah, I did not expect them to see them in this top five, maybe top six, even if they didn't have their poor stretch of the season like they did. Yeah. I thought they'd maybe be more consistent like, you know, three wins, five, like five draws and like three ties or something. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, and three losses like at the start, of, like at this point of the season or something. I thought they have more draws and wins um because that's how like arsenal plays a lot but to have six two and three record at this point in the season and having like two in those three losses in the first sorry those two draws and three losses in like the first six games of the season it, yeah is actually crazy yeah so what a run of form that they've had oh yeah and like no one's even like really standing out except for that emile smith row kid
2: yeah like he's, yeah, he's been playing like, lights out for them tearing it up for them right now um yeah, and it's good to see. I mean, especially all the young talent they have. Mm-hmm. Um, if they can get and just you know keep them, you know, don't sell off your your big stars coming up. I think that'll be good for them long term. So hopefully they stay and they can get back to the Arsenal glory days mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah, because yeah. they, they need to win a trophy for their fans. <laughs> yeah, they really do. I mean,
1: like, winning FA Cup is not like what it used to be. Yeah, yeah. like that used to be the big one too. Like before the Premier League kicked off in the 90s winning the fa cup in like the 70s and 80s and like 60s even way back then was like winning champions league Mm -hmm. because i think back then like the teams were more even i guess yeah like it wasn't like you had a top five in the Premier league and then they were like just they were giants and it's obviously between all english divisions so you got a tournament of you know 100 teams and yours comes out on top like that's that's crazy and a lot of times back then i think it was like a division two side yeah. Like, it wasn't always United or Newcastle or Liverpool in the mm-hmm. 80s, like, rattling off FA Cup wins. Yeah. There was a lot more passion behind it. Now it's kind of died off, and now you have the Carabao Cup, and you have yeah, the EFL Cup, things, yeah. and you have the cup 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 Yeah. You have so <laughs> many, right? the EFL and the Carabao Cup? I don't know. I call it two <laughs> different things. Because it's not – I don't even know if it's called it, – if yeah, it's, it's titled sure that is one. Yeah. Carabao Cup anymore. I don't know. Carabao used to be Chelsea's sponsor, so I just – it's always in my head, Carabao, Carabao. Yeah. Um – but they have all these other like cups that are now taking away from yeah. what the FA Cup used to be, right? Yeah, it's still it's still hardware for your team, but it's not the big one. No, I mean,
2: really, teams only care about winning winning the Premier League. Care
0: about League. what?
2: Care about care about and the EFL are the same. Funny, <laughs> really funny. Teams only care all about all teams really care about care about the care about. No, count. like winning winning Premier League. Um, Hey, but even if you're City, I mean, yeah, like you said, like they they do want to win the Premier League, but they really want to win Champions League. Champs, like yeah. that's mm-hmm. their, that's their standard. Um, I'm sure if you ask City if they would rather win Champions League or Premier League, they'd have for sure say they'll hey, say game. the Premier League, but Pep's they'll like, mean perhaps like mean I champs, have yeah. to win. Champions. Depends who's yeah. asking. Him. Like, <laughs> I have to win Champions League. If
1: it's yeah. like a pundit from England, he'll say the English the, the Premier League. If oh, it's yeah. a guy from like, Spain, he's like. I must win Champions League.
2: Yeah, <laughs> must win. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's really shaping up, and just just even looking at this top ten, how um, you know, competitive this is right now. I know it's a hodgepodge of teams. Dude. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Like those bottom, like six to ten. Those, Look at there's that. some funny names down there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you
2: got Brighton Wolves.
0: Hey, Wolves, Wolves, it, Wolves, making Wolves making a, a re- sneaky a resurgence.
2: Sneaky comeback. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you think Nuno's gonna go back? Well. Probably no, not, actually. Now. Yeah, it's like, hey, I'm back because didn't work out. It's like, <laughs> we're actually doing okay right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, take we're a doing, walk. We're doing fine.
1: If you built that team, but take a walk. Yeah.
2: yeah. But yeah, I mean, it. I just, I really love how competitive it is, um, with all these top sides because it's, it. I didn't really, I mean, say I didn't like it, but it just, it was what it was when you just had. You had Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, Man U before like City got big. You just had your top 4 oh, that like enemies. It, like, it was like it was so divided. Like se- 7 years in a row just like those, yeah. like those teams so divided. Everton got fit. The- <laughs> Everton, the- Fulham was always up there uh, before they had their super big downturn as a club. Mm-hmm. But it the table was always structured the same way. Yeah. And you know, it's way more entertaining now with how competitive it is. You don't know who's going to make top four. I mean, you have a good idea of who your top, top teams are going to be, but there's always a battle, um, which, which I really like. And, you know, I, I really want to hopefully get away from, you just have your, you, they even say it in commentary, about like your, your, your big six, um, which is fine. I mean, a lot of it has to do with money, but it would be nice to see where you just got, you know, a team like West Ham or Wolves, where you just got a team that maybe doesn't have a lot of money but consistently compete for top spots. Yeah. That, I think West Ham could be that team if they stick with Moyes and like they consistently bring in who he needs to do well like they could be another another Everton and being another Everton in this <laughs> era it's like you're yeah, you have a good chance at top 4.
1: Yeah, get some uh get some European places in under your name. Mhm. You know, even crack a Champions League uh spot would be crazy. Um, for all the teams that we're talking about right now, that are doing well, there's obviously the other side of the table. Yeah, it's that low, Looking bottomless pit down there.
2: Surprised to see, you know, Brentford's made a fall four losses in a row. Yeah, <sighs> tough, real tough. Um, some teams making some dramatic news. Uh, Norwich,
1: I mean, probably saw this one coming. Mm, yeah, uh, firing Daniel Farka, Farker, Farka. Yeah. Um, I thought it was just funny the way that they did it. It was like right after their first win of the season. Yeah. Yeah, Like they beat Brentford and then they let go of their manager. (laughs) I don't know. I kind of had a theory that maybe they told the team before the game started that they were going to relieve the manager of his duties. And that kind of like boosted their motivation for the game. I don't think it was like going to save their season kind of thing. Yeah. But like maybe he came and pulled him aside and said, this is my last game. I've already talked to ownership like it's obviously not going the right direction you know we're 0-2-8 <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> clearly this isn't good. what I pictured happening with the team and then maybe they like, you know play a little extra hard for him or something or I yeah. don't know who knows right I got a soft spot like that like I think it's like sappy but <laughs> yeah be a nice little I mean it's
2: tough you kind of have to oh. similarly with Newcastle I mean they had to. still not happy about the way it happened but you know good on them they got uh, Eddie Howe yeah, hopefully we're... maybe I don't think it's official yet oh no
1: I don't. I think he was in the building at the game too. I like guess I think it's almost kind of sealed basically, deal. Basically official. I think it was a, It's not signed, sealed, delivered yet. I don't think. But. But it's heavy speculation. Eddie Howe will be new, uh, the new Newcastle manager. Probably announced. I mean, the upcoming days, I would think. Yeah. With international break kicking off. And that was you who called that, right? I did. I didn't yeah. call it. I suggested. I said him to either Newcastle or or United. Yeah. Mm. Um, Newcastle was the first suggestion I thought. Just because I've seen him obviously with with Bournemouth and how he can take you know um, a smaller, I mean not a small team now with, you know, with Newcastle, but yeah, a team that's like underperforming or underwhelming and kind of build them up to yeah, you know, to become Premier League namestays for a couple of seasons. Right. Um, obviously, like the decline at Bournemouth sucked and it was unfortunate, but um, you know Eddie Howe he obviously he had a lot more success than defeats yes. uh, than unsuccessful. Stints with Bournemouth, mm-hmm. uh, so I think if he gets a Newcastle gig, he gets back in the Premier League. One thing, and two, he'll have a budget come January if he gets appointed soon, that could maybe make some impact for them. Yeah, uh, I've been talking about it for a while now, like saying how I think Newcastle will have a tale of two seasons, pre yeah. and pre and post January transfer. And I'm not saying they're going to make a huge splash and bring in like a hundred million dollar yeah. player, but I think they're going to move some talent around and I mean, I'm not too familiar like with what Eddie Howe's style of play is, but he's going to have carte blanche basically to yeah. pick, pick and choose this team. Yeah. Um, hopefully. And hopefully he has the backing from the new ownership to be able to do so. I hope they're not like looking over his shoulder. Yeah. At every waking moment. Cause that's no way to operate either.
2: No. Yeah. It'll be, I, I've always liked him as a manager. Um, was pretty happy to see him take uh, take Newcastle. It was sad to see uh, uh, Bruce, Steve Brucey. Yeah, Eddie because ha- I, I always liked him. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this Newcastle project turns out. Just I just really hope they stay up. Like, um, I'm not to say that I'm indifferent about who goes down because I always feel bad when teams get relegated from the Champions League because it's. The worst thing ever mm-hmm. for a club, um, but I really want to see how this Newcastle thing pans out because um, I think if they get relegated, it's <laughs> like disaster. <laughs> it's city. really going to be disaster. Yeah, he's city. actually Eddie Howe's not the manager of Newcastle yet, um, and actually Aston Villa are looking to swoop him up. Oh, are they? Yeah,
1: because yeah, they just got they let go of Dean Smith. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So we'll see. <sighs> I mean, a big string of losses. Yeah, you you lose five games in a row at any point in the season, it's not going to.
0: Mm-mm. Look very well, no, no.
1: Um, with them though, it's like, like you look at their lineup too, and they actually have like decent players. But mm-hmm. you lose Jack Relish in the off, yeah, in the off season, and like mm-hmm. clearly don't replace a player like him. You can't replace a hundred million dollar player. Yeah, um, he was like the heart and soul of that team, basically. Obviously, like homeboy, yeah, youth academy again, captain of the team. Um, I mean, that could demoralize the team a little bit. And the fan base, I think. Yeah, they got some yeah. money for him, but they didn't really spend, yeah. spend mm-hmm. too big. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it's unfortunate. It is it is what it is, though. It's a tough gig to be a manager. I think it's probably one of the hardest jobs in the world at any yeah. level of sport to yeah. be a professional manager or coach whatever. And, um, I mean, you're heavily criticized for everything that you do. Like, you could be – it's literally like rainbows and unicorns, like, one yeah. day, and then you make, like, one bad decision or one bad result. And yeah. you're like you're sacked in like two weeks. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like,
2: under the microscope yeah. all the time. Very tough. So um but yeah, we'll we'll see. Um I do hope Eddie Howe goes to Newcastle, though. I do so too. I don't I I don't see why he would go to Villa, to be honest. Um especially with all the exciting things going in Newcastle. And if he can take that job, like I think it'd be a really cool I mean I'm just speaking for myself, but yeah. I feel like it'd be a really good move for him with all the changes going on. And yeah. I mean, it just might be a lot. It's like, okay, Newcastle, like now we have to stay up. <laughs> we have to make up five points, which is kind of tough at the, I don't think um, that tough. I mean, yeah, you win like two games on the truck. Like,
1: I mean, like they could beat anybody from 13th down. Yeah. When you look, when you think about it, like Southampton, Brentford Leeds, Villa, who just, you know, sacked the manager at Watford, who's in shambles right now. They already let go of their manager this season. Burnley and Norwich. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you could pick up a couple wins against those teams, I think. Obviously, you're not expected to do much against the top 10, but those are winnable games if you just can squeak a couple out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, any, if anybody can do it, like Eddie Howe, who's, like, squeaked Bournemouth. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, Bournemouth, I don't even know if they were in the, premiers- the championship division like for a long time and they were even like below that for a little while and yeah, then he yeah. brought him like out of like division 2 or like league 2 whatever it is into the championship into the Premier League yeah so if you can accomplish that in like 10 season stint or it was with Bournemouth I feel like he's up to the challenge for Newcastle job to mm-hmm. help them stay out of relegation it wouldn't surprise me if like Sam Allardyce took over Aston Villa or something to mm-hmm. maybe help them stay up <laughs> I think he's already been there four times. <laughs>
2: I Think so. In the same role. Yeah. <laughs> like oh god, <laughs> big we're, Sam. We gotta get. Out. We're <laughs> bottom five again. <laughs> call
1: Sam. They're think have on Speed Dial like on their on yeah. their phone or something.
2: <laughs> Can you come in for six months?
1: Is okay. Speed
0: Dial
2: even a thing anymore? Is speed speed, speed Dial know. a thing? Uh probably not. No, you just go to your contacts and call them. That's basically a speed dial. Well, yeah. that is. Yeah. I guess. Everyone's on speed dial. <laughs> Everyone. You're Everyone on speed dial. On, I don't even know your number. <laughs> <laughs> just I just mean, got Andrew. Yeah, I don't know these numbers. <laughs> no one knows anyone's number. I know my wife's number. That's about it. Yeah. But I had
1: to memorize it eight years ago.
2: I have to ask what Joe's number is all the time. I don't even know what it is. Yeah. I know your number. <laughs> I would hope you know his number. Uh, I know my home phone number and I think that's it.
1: <laughs> I know my, I, I think I can still get my home phone number from my old house like 20 something years ago. Oh yeah, like I still might well,
2: know it. Yeah, I mean, you had to call home how many times when you were a kid? Probably a lot. Yeah, well, I was like, I
1: was like ten. Yeah, like no, younger than ten. I was like eight or nine at my oldest, in my old house. Yeah, I still know the address. I still know like my grandma's number from like <laughs> you know twenty years ago. Like yeah, it's crazy. How numbers <laughs> can stick in your head. Do you,
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I was like, do you think there's like. Messed up group chats like that we'd be just, like shocked to see of like Premier League players like I know because <laughs> Rooney Henderson and Lalan are like best friends it's like is there just a group chat of like why are these seven players just like in a group chat like why did it's probably early? hilarious yeah, yeah it's I mean, probably hilarious think especially if they're all um from the United Kingdom yeah no think it's it's a city basically the size of or it's a it's a area I mean United Kingdom's multiple countries, basically the size of Southwestern Ontario. Mm -hmm. And you got all these players who are playing this league together. Um, With double
1: the the population of Canada. Like 60-something million or 70 million people. Yeah.
2: So, obviously they're all like, you know, I think just as close as we would be with players in our league, if not closer. Because, you know, they're just pros and they just hang out with each other, right? So, yeah, I mean, there's probably a group chat with you know Reese James and De Gea and <laughs> Rodri. <laughs> <laughs> like what are the three most random? Players what a collection! <laughs> what a collection of people. No, probably not them. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, what a collection with, well. I, And it was actually kind of sad to hear this. Um, <laughs> I was watching a thing on taking a pivot here. Uh, Aguero. It was a video of him because I guess like his family's in South America. Right. He's like, yeah, sometimes like usually I just chill in my house, watch movies. Uh, sometimes I'll go to. Uh, dinner with uh, De Gea and uh, Otamendi. <laughs> yeah, it's like what they're crazy. Right. Yeah, especially when your family's yeah in another country. That's well, I think international players have it so tough because you're going to a foreign country, you don't know anyone. Like like Aguero, you're you know obviously in this like, really nice house. Um, but, but at the end of the day, it's like who you spend time with. Like you just be alone in this country They can't really speak the language. Whereas yeah. I feel like if the dream is if you're like Marcus Rashford. Um or, or um, Foden, you're homegrown in that area. Now you're playing for the professional club. You yeah, you're crazy. With all your friends who are already there, it's you know totally different. Obviously, way more enjoyable because at the end of the day, it's all about relationship, right?
1: That's like like Reese James, Mason Mount, and Pulisic have all been the youth academy guys at Chelsea. Yeah, mm-hmm. like since they were like kids. I think right. Chilwell might have been there. Yeah. And then he left. I'm not totally sure about that. But I know like, him and Mason Mount are really close. Stay with Declan Rice, too, and Mount. Yeah. They're, like, best friends. Um, you know, it's just crazy. Like, yeah. I mean, could you imagine if like, those group chats are, like, leaked out somehow? Yeah. <laughs> like, some We'd be Some crazy reporter, like, like all digs the, deep and, like, leaks. All you know, the, the Premier League goalkeepers have their own group chat.
2: <laughs> like, just, <laughs> all 20 of them are in the same. Oh, game. my
1: God. Could you imagine that one? <laughs> Klopp and, and and Peb just, like, bashing each other all day. Yeah. Like, Marino pipes in there, and, and they're like, "What? Didn't I boot you out of the chat? Like, what are you doing here, Jose?" Yeah,
2: it? yeah, super interesting. Austin
1: Vanger's trying to figure out the phone is still. <laughs>
2: <laughs> or right Roy Hodgson. It. Roy Hodgson's trying to figure out what phone is. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows, man? I mean, be be cool just to see it. What an inkling of that uh, that's like, because it's probably you know still at the native people. Yeah, I was I just gonna say. Yeah, they're just people. I mean, we we
1: obviously I wouldn't say like look up to them anymore because I'm older than probably yeah, half the guys. We're and older the,
2: than. Everyone, basically <laughs> everyone,
1: just scary shit. Yeah. Um. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh. But you know the yeah they're just people like you fans they're fantastic fantasticized fan fans what is it fantastic yeah is that a word
2: fantasticized <laughs> yeah,
1: fan, it's not fantasized I have no idea it's a word oh god I gotta look. it's not fan it's a it's a word I swear to God it's a word
0: I don't think mm-hmm. it's fantasticized I was <laughs> like what so are you I trying like to that?
2: say. Okay. Um. yeah that hit me really hard actually when I realized that I'm older than 95% of the people that play in the EPL mm-hmm. <laughs> when Fantac- was even like three years oh. ago it's like oh Tottenham's average age is 22 I'm like oh damn <laughs> yeah yeah Since
1: fantasticize is a word but on Wiktionary which is like Wikipedia dictionary <laughs> someone just added it but <laughs> fantasticize is popping up as a word that's been Google searched at yeah. least Okay, whatever. What you're trying to say? What I'm trying to say is, it's like we hype these people up, and like we see yeah. them on, like, you know, on a, a different level, yeah, as to like just being like a regular people, yeah. Like we tune into them every weekend on like national TV, on like you know streaming platforms, and they live you know thousands of miles away, and it's like they just they're just regular people, yeah.
0: Yeah, just thank you.
2: Mm-hmm. Really good at what they do, right? It's crazy. Yeah. Fantasticize, Fantasticize. size That'll be that name of the episode. Uh yeah. I mean, I'm so gonna use sh- that word. every podcast now. Yeah. Give a shout out to our YouTube SEO guy who's gonna call put fantasticize in, in the, tag the title, In the title or in somewhere just because it'd be amazing.
1: Episode is fantasticize. Fantastical. No, it's fantastic. <laughs>
2: I gotta stop talking. YouTube SEO wizard put Andrew's entire sentence in the description, <laughs> so we can just have that on record for the rest of our lives. <laughs> my mouth feels like rubber bubble gum right now. I can't, yeah, I can't even talk. Also, add rubber bubble gum, please. Is that a thing? Uh, I just want him to add it <laughs> to the
1: description. Well, I've been eating a lot of that double bubble because, like, you know, th- Halloween last year um, or last week. Yeah. So I've been crushing double bubble, and I think that's like messed my jaw okay because it's like that's a hard it's a hard one it is yeah it's like the yellow and the blue wrapper yeah and i think i had some in my car and i chewed into that one yeah so it was like really tough it was like biting into a jawbreaker and then (laughs) (laughs) trying to chew leather for
2: like (laughs) sounds fantastic
1: and then like it's gone in five minutes like it Mm, tastes good it tastes yeah but that specific gum is gone in five minutes yeah everything Texture,
2: taste, yeah, yeah, it's like smell. Just like chew it for like twelve times, and then you just spit it out because it's done. Oh, it's disgusting. Yeah, but I still do it. Well, I'm glad you enjoy it.
1: <laughs> Remember, like the myth of like being younger, and you say that bubble gum. I know it's a myth, but if you swallow bubble gum, it's gonna be like stuck in your body yeah, for like, six years or something. Like I don't think that's true. That's like,
2: it's not not true. Yeah, like, acid in your stomach so strong. Like, yeah, that's true. It was I've eaten <laughs> There's people stuff. that like eat like, like metal and stuff. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. That's <laughs> like that. That if your stomach can decompose that, yeah, I'm pretty sure a double bubble hubble bubble gum. Ooh, say that five <laughs> times. That five double times. hubble bubble bubble gum. <laughs> uh, that's gonna decompose pretty well. Um, but yeah, I hate Thank the full wives tales. Like,
1: I, I I stopped doing so many things when I was a kid because I was like, yeah, I yeah, can't so do that. They were true, right? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't like voluntarily swallowing bubble gum. But it scared the hell out of me. I know every time I fall i would be like, "Oh
2: man, it's gonna be on my swim." I'm like ten years old. Oh, yeah. It's gonna be on my swim. I'm fifteen. Yeah, yeah right. I,
1: I, I can in five years. I can't. I won't be able to poop, and this is gonna be why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is a low
2: key anxiety you get developed by just these old wives' tale. Like you know, you can't go swimming after twenty Eating. minutes. Yeah, or yeah. Whatever. You can't go straight. It's like
0: yeah, you,
2: <laughs> you could go and stand in the shallow in your pool right after you have a meal. You could eat a meal in your pool if you're not doing laps. oh that'd like be Michael crazy Bell's. talking to my
1: family you can't eat a meal in your pool <laughs> you kidding me it's blasphemy yeah uh what else like if you if you cross your eyes like get stuck like that oh yeah, yeah. or like, if
2: you like hold your face in a position like when you put you, you yeah put your fingers in your mouth yeah and, like hold them it's gonna get stuck like that
1: well i think that might be actually true not get stuck like that but i think that if you do it enough like you might stretch your face
2: out a little bit or something yeah i mean it yeah. could if you do it like Every day for hours, every day for like, hours, day, hours, day. Day for like yeah. several months. You should it's think like a... saying it's like saying you're gonna get you're gonna get poisoning from water if you drink too much water. But the amount of water you have to drink is like inconceivable. You have to drink like you know those clean canteens I have. Those yeah, six, you probably drink like four of those.
0: Probably <laughs> more than that. Probably more than that four. Drink,
2: like well, no, actually, yeah, I would drink if I do like something really strenuous. I could drink do like like a two, full one. Yeah, but yeah, you have to drink like six of those. So. Yeah, it's probably not gonna happen. Yeah, it's a lot of yeah. water. Probably more. I'm gonna check now. Just See, before you
1: guys got here, actually when when my wife was giving my son a bath, mm-hmm. she thought like he's like he got some water in his throat and he like spit up a little bit and like I guess he was like choking a little. And afterwards she's thought that he might like drown overnight because he has like water in his system. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I'm pretty sure you have to drink like yeah. a lot of water. And he just like literally got like you like, you know, like a little a little way. drop in there yeah, yeah exactly what it was i think yeah your body can handle that but like with kids though man like you bring everything to like the next level of like worrisome oh
2: yeah or worriness i do it all the time
1: you don't even have kids
2: one well, of my nephews oh yeah that's nieces.
1: true mm-hmm. um it, it changes your mindset though
2: oh yeah it's careful about everything right like,
1: like if i was choking on some water i'd be like oh okay yeah sorry i choked on some water i'm good now though yeah but then, like you know you're Child does it, and it's like ah, it's like okay, call gotta, an ambulance. Yeah, what are you like, gonna do? Like, yeah, everything's next level, right? Because you're you're, you're
2: responsible, right? responsible for this
1: life. Right? Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Make sure this thing doesn't die. Yeah, <laughs> like basically, for- <laughs> biggest responsibility. <laughs> oh my gosh. So
2: he said six clean canteens. You have to drink um one liter of water per hour for a day. One liter per hour. Yeah. So one twenty-four liter. liters. A liter is not that much. Well, yeah, but you have to drink a liter of water. I know, all day. I know. <laughs> so yeah. like twenty-eight liters, because <laughs> you're a lot. 24 the kid. Liters. The kidneys can flush twenty to twenty-eight liters each day, but can only get rid of about one liter each hour. That's like and our clean contains what five hundred milliliters for a whole day. Yeah, so yeah. you would have to drink <laughs> nine. <laughs> that's nine hundred and forty-six ounces. Um, and our clean canteen is 64, <laughs> so whatever, Everyone on the Footy Fans Podcast, 90, just in case you want to f- know 46. how much water you should not drink after playing footy, don't drink 20 liters of water. Yeah, do not drink twenty eight liters of water. <laughs> Put Let's up calculator.net. That? that is 14.78 uh, f- yeah. of our clean canteens in a day. So that's, yeah, like drinking an entire clean canteen. Wait, why'd you get that number? Well, because I took we are getting way off topic here eh? but we gotta make sure that everyone's safe with their water drinking here so 28 liters is 946 ounces the clean canteen is 64 ounces got it so 14.78 clean canteens per day you're probably awake for just about that amount yep um so you have to drink a clean canteen per hour yeah never
1: gonna happen that doesn't sound that hard though to do did you seen my clean canteen? Yeah, I had, I had had Drink a chug After, after the fourth
2: chug. one, you're like, I'm done. <laughs> For <laughs> you sure. You're know, like full
1: off water. Yeah. They used to do like radio show competitions like this, eh? For like giveaways and stuff. Like, oh, we, like we're giving away. An, I think this actually happened like years ago.
0: Yeah, no,
2: like an old lady died. Cause yeah. she way too much water. It was
1: like, I think she like mm-hmm. wanted to win her something like an Xbox or something. Yeah. And it was like some radio show. And it's like, just drink water like yeah. all day. I saw that a big gulp of water in my face. Yeah. Um, it's like drink, like drink, just ton of water all day. Like you can't go to the bathroom Worst or something. Idea. That's like what it was. And they she ended up like literally, like this happened. Like she internally yeah. drowned. Yeah, to like when her son an Xbox. Yeah, that's sad.
2: yeah. Because I think the uh, your kidneys can't flush it out. I think yeah. like I would,
1: I would try it, but then I would just I would go pee. Yeah, you have to go pee, right? Cause I love drinking water. Yeah.
2: Um, I mean, I wouldn't go to that extent. No, that's dangerous. So everyone drink your water, but uh, not don't too much. be silly. Yeah, this is a water endorsement. Yeah, here we go. Water, sponsor us. <laughs>
1: sponsor us water, please. <laughs> big, big water, come at us. Water. Um, all right, I think we're I, good. I think we're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like we said, international break's coming up. Um, I think it's actual qualifying. I don't know if it's just um, friendlies, I'm not totally sure. Probably a combination of both. Yeah, it usually is. Eh, it's like random, like like some random teams will actually be like international friendlies, and you'll have like um you know, like uh North American qualifying or something, and then it'll be like Africa will be doing friendlies and mm-hmm. half of Europe's doing friendlies. Whatever it is. Um So those will be taking place in the next two weeks. EPL is back the weekend of November the twentieth. Uh we already set up a couple of the games that are taking place, but um, I think the big ones are going to be Chelsea and Leicester taking uh, taking place as the early game Saturday. And then Arsenal-Liverpool is the late game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunday, Man City-Everton. That's uh, always a good one to tune into. And then another showing of Antonio Conte and Tottenham will be uh, against Leeds. It was actually another tough test. I mean, Leeds isn't mm-hmm. not doing too hot. Like, we kind of expect them, based on their performance last year, to be like mid table, like mid tier around 10th, 11th. Mm-hmm. Being a 15th is kind of an underachievement, I think. Yeah. Based on the style that they play. But you never know. They get up for big games a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they don't play teams lightly, they play very hard. So, uh, yeah, Antonio Conte have his boys uh, up for that one. And then for all United fans out there, they're playing against Watford on Saturday as well. Um, so tune into that if you want to see United try and bounce back a little bit yeah Um, thank you all for tuning into the podcast this is episode 11 you can find us on Twitter at footy underscore fans P-H-A-N-S we also have our podcast posted up on YouTube so you guys can find us there and we also have an Instagram account now I think it's just called footy fan pods or footy fan podcast so find us there too we're posting uh, breaking news uh, Podcast updates, show updates, and uh, anything else that we can kind of think of. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> this comes to mind. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so again, thank you everyone for tuning in, and we will catch up next week with all of the week's action.
2: All right. See you everyone. Bye, everyone. Ciao.